Thanks for checking out the Ascent Church podcast. Our mission is to reach, equip, and impact others exactly where they are as we rise to new life in Christ. We hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Thomas Lane. We're in a series called Home for Christmas. Home for Christmas. And if you're like me, when you think about coming home for Christmas, when you think of the parties, the expectations, the gifts, the finances, it's a lot. It's a lot. And there's something I hear a lot. I hear it all year, but probably more now than ever. You ask someone, how are you doing? You know what they say? Busy. They say, I'm real busy. Got a lot going on. It's just a lot. Things are doing this. I've never asked someone and heard this answer, especially this time of year. I've never said, hey, um, how are you doing? And they've said, you know what? I'm pretty rested. I'm feeling good. I got a solid nine hours last night. The kids got themselves up, made breakfast, let the dogs out, cleaned up a little bit. I'm feeling amazing. We don't really have anything going on right now. We got a lot of margin in our life. I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great. I've never heard that. Has anyone heard that? Don't you lie to me. Don't you lie to me. Because you need to realize this. The world will try to steal your rest. It will try to steal your rest. I saw on the news that there's a war on Christmas. I don't know about that. I don't even know what that means. I'm not going to make a statement on it, but I am going to make a statement that there is, in fact, a war on rest. There's a war on rest because the holy has been hijacked. The holy's absolutely been hijacked. You'll be driving home in your ride, in your Kia Sorento or whatever you're riding around in, okay? Where's the Kia Sorento people? Come on. No. Oh, yeah. The Sorrento in the house. What's up? You, you're driving? Okay, that's fine. You look like you're... Okay, never mind. <laughs> but that being said, you'll be riding around. You got your Christmas music on. And you know what will come on? Silent night. Holy night. All is calm. All is bright. I wanted to remind you, there is nothing anymore silent or holy about our nights. Sitting in traffic, mad, going to get that gift, late for this, rushing to that. Silent night, more like the kids are screaming all night. Silent night, more like stuck in traffic all night. Holy night, more like, holy crap, how are we going to pay for this all night? <laughs> holy night, no, 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 holy cow, we've overcommitted this year. How are we going to go to all these parties, do all these traditions, and make all this happen this year? The holy has been hijacked. It's been hijacked, but God gave us a cure for the chaos, an antidote to the anxiety. It's a thing called the Sabbath. Somebody say Sabbath. You see, God loves to rest. You might not realize this, but he does. He loves to rest. I think if he was sitting right next to you, you'd notice a very different pacing with his style. I don't think he'd be rushed. I don't think he would say, I'm really busy. Look at Jesus's life. Look at his style. He wasn't rushing here, rushing there. There was a different pace to him. I think if he was sitting next to you, he'd be wearing a robe and slippies. Maybe little bunny slippies, all right? He might even have a little pipe, a little bubble pipe, maybe. I don't know. But I think he would be slower. I think he would have a slower pace. The Sabbath is this. It's a day to rest. It's a rhythm of rest. He asks us to follow, to chill, to rest, to take a deep breath. Sabbath is almost a synonym in Hebrew for this word called shalom. Somebody say shalom. Shalom is a word that means peace, and the words are very similar because they're linked. Shalom is is essentially wholeness and well-being in every single part of life. Shalom is a state of wholeness and flourishing in every dimension of life, meaning that's what God wants for you. Not spiritually I'm good, but physically I'm broken. No, no, no. But emotional well-being, physical well-being, relational well-being with your marriage, with your kids, physically, spiritually, that's what God wants for us. And it's Funny that those words are linked. 
that we should rest in order to have peace. Our friend Tim Keller says the Sabbath is about this. He says it's about restoring the diminished. Some of y'all could use some restoration. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. It's also about replenishing the drained. Some of y'all, you're already on 1%. You know, you ever plug your phone in, but you didn't really? And you get up and you're like, I'm on 8%. I ain't going to make it. That's where you are now when it's December 2. All right. Some of y'all said I could use some replenishing. It's also about repairing the broken. The Sabbath, God's rest is about restoring the diminished, replenishing the drained, repairing the broken. If you're like me, that sounds pretty good. You said, how do I get me some of that? Let's pray and we'll talk about it. Father God, we need those things. God, some of us were drooling. We're saying, I don't, I'll take back the key of Sorrento. I just want those things. I want to be restored. I want to be replenished. I want to be repaired. God, help us to come home. Help us to learn how to rest. Help us in the midst of the busiest season of the year. Help us make a statement in who you are and what it's like to follow you. God, help us learn to rest. Help us learn to rest. Meet us here in this place. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're going to look at the Bible. We're going to look at a book called Mark. It's a gospel. It's a story of Jesus' life, teaching, death, and resurrection. We're going to go to Mark 2. You can follow along with me right up here or your Bible app, whatever you use. We use version. all the notes and everything's on there. You can follow along there and look at the notes, or you could do whatever you'd like. Mark 2, 27. Jesus is talking about the Sabbath. And it might sound a little confusing, but we're going to break it down. Jesus said to them, the Sabbath, this day of rest, this rhythm of rest we're supposed to build into our life, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. He's making some big statements. He called himself the Son of Man. That's one of the terms he used to refer to, to, refer to himself. And he's saying, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I love rest. I'm all about rest. If you know me, if you follow me, it's a restful thing. That's what he's saying. That's a bold statement to kind of essentially say, I created rest. I made it. I'm all about it. I'm the Lord of it. I absolutely love it. He also said something interesting. The Sabbath was made for man and women. The Sabbath was made for us. It was God's gift to us for a purpose, to rest, to be restored, to be repaired. Have you ever gotten a bad gift? What's a bad gift you've gotten? Tell me about it. Pineapple slicers, nasty. What else? What's up? What? Oh, I got a braid. That's my wife. A braided belt from her parents. That was pretty rough. Yes. A tarantula. Okay. Oh, gosh. Let's go with pineapple slicer because that's bizarre. We'll go with pineapple slicer. God essentially said, I'm giving you a gift. I'm giving you a gift. And you know what we treat it as? A pineapple slicer. Or a braided belt, never, or a tarantula. We say, oh, that's nice, and you got this face. You're really good at you're really good actors. You're like, oh, would you look at that? And the second it's gone, you're like, how do I get rid of this? Can I donate it to the thrift shop? Can I throw it out? I don't want this. What do I do? That's what we've done with the Sabbath. God made us a gift. He said, look, I know your nature, you're fallen. You, you, you need this re, you know, restorative thing. But you know what we say? We say, you know what? I don't need it. I'm good. I don't need a pineapple slicer. I'm fine. We ditch it. We trash it. We throw it out. It's an unfortunate thing. It's an unfortunate thing. I wanted to ask you, why do we resist rest? 
Why do we resist rest? Why does God gift wrap us something and say, hey, I want you to be whole. I want you to have a great marriage, good finances. I want, I want you to know me and love, y- love your neighbor and love your community. I want you to rest. I want you to sleep. And we're like, nah, I'm good. I'm fine. It's crazy, but we resist rest. God is a God of love. He's also a God of restoration. He wants us to be whole. God is saying, look, I don't know what's going on here. God is saying this. He's saying this. He's saying, look, I want you to get rid of your anxiety. I want you to sleep. I want you to be healthy. I want you to be whole. And we say, I don't need any of that. I'm fine on six hours. I'm fine on working every single day. Human nature is amazing. Or sin nature, it's amazing how we can take good things and warp them. Do y'all remember when the iPhone came out? I'm not talking to you Blackberry people. Some of y'all probably still rocking the Blackberry. Y'all remember when the iPhone came out? Do you remember that? Do you know, who, who remembers? Some of y'all are too young. Okay, very cool. So when it came out, do you remember what we all said? Oh, don't you lie to me. We all said, I'm going to be so much more productive. <laughs> do you remember that? We said, we said, this is a camera and I can check my email, whatever, wherever, and I can do this. We said, I'm going to be more productive. Now we can work anywhere. So you know what we do? We work everywhere. Okay. 10, 20 years ago, it would have been unheard of to say, I'm going to put the kids to bed and then check my, you know, check the mail for 30 minutes. Never, never would have done that. But human nature can take, I mean, it's a good thing, right? We can take it and we can twist it to find more work out of it, to pull it out. What is the Sabbath for? Jesus is amazing because he doesn't always just tell us things. He shows us. He kind of gives us a picture of what it looks like. Mark 3, 1. It says this, again, he entered the synagogue and a man was there with a withered hand. So this is the synagogue. This is essentially the church for the Jewish people. They were gathering to worship and Jesus walks in and there's someone there who was withered. He had a withered hand. It doesn't say this, but you can imagine he's probably in the back. He's probably kind of hiding it. He probably doesn't want everyone to know, but think how that would have affected his life. You couldn't really work. It affected his work life. Maybe it impacted his marriage if he had one. I'm just kind of looking into this. Maybe he wasn't able to get married because he didn't have an income. He didn't have a job. Maybe it affected his friends, his family. We don't quite know, but we know it had a great impact on him and his identity. And Jesus looks at this guy. There was a man with a withered hand. Some of y'all, I want to ask you, are you withered in worship? Some of y'all, you're just like this guy. You're maybe sitting in the back. There's a part of you that's withered. There's a part of you that's overworked. It's damaged. It's withered. And for some of us, it's all about Sunday. Maybe this guy loves Sunday. Maybe he said, I can't wait to Sunday. I can't wait to praise. I can't wait to be with my people. I can't wait for those donuts. Mm, They're good. I can't wait to be there to worship. Maybe that's you. I wanted to say, welcome home. This can be your church. You can come home for Christmas here. This can be your home. This can be that place for you. But also I wanted to know, are you withered in worship? This is a picture of our pre-Sabbath condition. We're in worship, but part of us is withered. It prevents our work. It impacts our relationships. It changes everything. Some of you are just like this man in a place of worship, but still withered. I wanted to ask you this. Do the holidays make you withered? Withered from your schedule being so overloaded. You have to go to eight Christmas parties. Withered from swipe, 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 swipe. Bank account, withered. We're still paying last year's Christmas off, okay? Maybe withered spiritually or emotionally because of how taxing it is. Do the holidays make you withered? If so, this is a story for you. This is a interaction with Jesus with a withered person, which is how we all are without the Sabbath. Verse two, 
and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. More on that later, so they might accuse him. We'll talk about that in a minute. And Jesus said to the man with the withered hand, he said, come here. You need to realize restoration begins and ends with a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the starting point. And it's also the ending point right there. Withered, Jesus says, come here. The man doesn't seek him. Jesus says, come here, come here to me. That's where it all begins. It all, become, it all comes down to Jesus. It's not at the bar. It's not with that boy you just met. It's not on Amazon, type, 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 swipe, swipe, swipe. Okay, it's none of that. It's not family things. We love to elevate family. We love to have a great Christmas. It's not there. It's with Jesus. I wanted you to know if you're withered, God wants to draw close. God wants to tell you to come here. He wants to single, single you out. He wants to spend some time with you. In this whole crowd, Jesus found the one that was withered, and he said, you come here. He said, come here. Could it be possible that Jesus is trying to draw you close this Christmas season, but you're so busy you don't even hear him? Could it be he wants to say, hey, come here. I want you to start serving with the homeless community. It's a family tradition. We're going to do it every Christmas, maybe throughout the year. Hey, come here. Come here. I want you to say no to some things. You're overcommitted. You're doing too much. Hey, come here. We're going to put a, a cap on the gifts this year. We're going to save some money, give it to the poor, give it to the church. Hey, come here. I want to know you deeper. I want your, your traditions to not just be about candy and this and fun. No, no, I want it to be about me and the real reason we're celebrating. Is Jesus telling you to come here in your withered state? But we're so busy, we might not even hear him. Verse 4, and he said to them, Jesus says to the religious leaders, he says, hey, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. You need to realize Jesus Christ is the only thing that can silence those things that are coming at you, that are making you withered, that are making you stressed, that are making you lose sleep. He is the only thing that when he speaks, when his word is involved, they go silent. They absolutely go silent. What he's asking is this. Here's what the religious leaders did. I think they meant well, but human nature, we twist things. They say, hey, the Sabbath is important. Let's protect it. So they set up some rules of things to do and not to do. And you do the same thing. Don't look down on them. When you're on vacation, you might say, I'm shutting my cell phone off. Or I'm setting my email up to where it gets a kickback. I'll be out of the office for a week. Or we're on a date. No social media. Let's talk. Let's have, let's have some conversation. Okay, so we do the same thing. They just want to protect it. But they were, they, they began, so they were so focused on the rules, on the religion, they neglected the relationship. And ironically, they missed the exact thing the Sabbath rest was for because they said no work on the Sabbath. Healing was considered work. So they see Jesus, they think they got him in a trap. There's a dude, his hands withered. Is Jesus going to work on the Sabbath? Jesus points them back to the purpose. He says, look, why is this even here? It's to restore. It's so you can reclaim that rest. And Jesus is about to show us all what it's about. What it's about. You see, they had warped the supposed time of rest into a stressful place. Does that sound like your Christmas to anybody? It's supposed to be restful. It's supposed to rejuvenate, but it actually drains you down. It's Christmas. Family time is good, right? No, no, no. Let's make it the busiest time of the year. It's Christmas. It's about generosity, right? No, no, no. Let's swipe the card so much we're still paying from last year or the year before that. It's human nature. It's our sin nature. We get it. We hijack it. I think I know why we might struggle. 
I think I know why we might struggle. And this is kind of an interesting concept. You might not have thought I was going here today, but let's look at the root. Let's look at the, not just the symptoms, but the root of the problem. There's a biblical principle we see all throughout the Bible, and it's this. We become like that which we worship. Meaning the thing that you worship, the thing that you center your life around, you start to become like that thing. If it's Christ, you start to become like Christ. If it's busyness, if it's stress, if it's work, you start to become like those things. And not even on a spiritual level, on a practical level too. If you hang out with people, you'll, you, you know, you'll start saying little phrases they say. If they have an accent, you start to say fun, odd little things how they talk. And people will call you out on it and be like, what, what did you just do? It's human nature. We become like that. We spend time around. We, we become like that which we worship. I want to ask you, do you worship the Lord of rest? Jesus said, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the Lord of rest. Do you worship the Lord of rest or the spirit of the season? If you worship busy, you'll become busy. If you worship stressful things, you'll become stressed out. Now, when I say worship, I don't mean literally you're bowing down before your calendar. Okay, that's not not what I mean. When I say worship, I mean, what is the most foundational, critical, important thing in your life? That's what worship is. If it's Jesus, rest will follow. Is it busyness? Is it family? Is it your side hustle? Is it your marriage? Some of us have elevated family to the ultimate thing. If it's busyness, busy will follow. Now, everything I just mentioned were good things. Working's good. Family's good. Your spouse is good. These are all good things. But when we take good things and make them ultimate things, we put them in the place of God. We make them idols and disaster follows. And if for you this time of year, if we've taken Jesus off the throne and put, I don't know, a good look on Instagram, all the kids got what they wanted, or getting that bonus check, or doing whatever, if you put that on top, restlessness will follow. I want to ask you, what do you worship? What do you give ultimate value to? If you're thinking, I really don't know, I've not really thought of that, let me ask you this, what do you rest in when when, when things are bad? Let's say you had a bad day. Let's say your team lost. Let's say you're frustrated. What do you lean back on and say, at least I have that? My team the other day, I love college football. My team, the Hokies, were losing to their rival, UVA. I hate to disappoint you, but the Hokies have won the last 14 years. And the game was on the line. And I said, are the Hokies going to come through? And I started thinking, oh, people are going to run their mouth. Those UVA nerds, they're going to say things. I'm sorry, I'm just kidding. But I'm kind of not. Okay. <laughs> I said, people are going to text me and call me and give me a hard time. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I started to think, well, at least, at least I have Sunday coming. I love Sunday. At least I got a great church. At least I got a great family. You start to look for things you fall back on. The Hokies won, by the way, but that's irrelevant. That's beside the point. But let me ask you this. When your soul is worried, when your peace is threatened, what do you fall back on? What is that thing your heart just goes to? it? Well, at least I'm smart. At least I'm good looking. At least I've got a great job. At least my kids are healthy. At At least I have blank. Whatever that thing is, that might be the thing you truly worship. You truly value the thing that is the most important thing in your life that gives you rest. These are good things, but when they become ultimate things, they become idols and they cause a lot of pain. Let let me give you an example of family. Family is a good thing. Am I right? But if family becomes the reason you live, 
right? Let's say family's all about Christmas time, all about family. And that, that is your thing. With all due respect, it's not Jesus. It's not God. Family's my number one. Let's say you, you say that. But what happens if your child gets sick? What happens if you can't get them the presents? And you compare yourself to that Instagram mom and you don't look as cool as her. What happens if the kids grow up and none of them can come home for Christmas? What happens? Well, the, 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 the whole season's ruined. It's not a matter of I'm sad. It's a matter of the foundation I was basing my life and experience on has now crumbled. Y'all, I want to challenge you. If you base your identity on Christ, something that can never leave you, that will never unravel, that cannot be broken, what does that do to your life? When you stand on a solid rock, nothing can shake you. Nothing can scare you. Nothing can deter you. But if you're building your life, your identity, your peace, even your Christmas on something that's shakable, you're constantly worried. You're constantly working. You got to protect it. You got to care for it. You got to make sure it stays safe because if it falls, you fall. That's why we must base our identity on Christ alone, who promises to never leave us or forsake us. They missed the point. They missed the point of the Sabbath. It was to restore and they made it all about rules. This Christmas, it's kind of the same thing, right? This time is supposed to restore us, but we've made it about rules, expectations, doing this and doing that. It's so stressful. Let me ask you, does this time of year actually rejuvenate you? You ever been on a vacation with kids? <laughs> I'm going to talk, talk, talk to the mom squad for a second. I'm going to talk to y'all. When you get back on a vacation with kids, what do you need? You need another vacation. You need a massage, okay? You're like, I, I, that was fun, but I'm tired, and I feel, I, I'm, this is crazy, and I need, a, I need a getaway. I need a break. I need a, I need a back rub. I need to go to the spa. That's how Christmas is. We don't get to January fired up, baby, ready to go. We get to January broke, tired, and exhausted. Is that what you think what God intended? Doesn't seem to be. Doesn't seem to be. Verse five, and Jesus looked at them with anger. Ooh, I like that. I like when he gets fired up. He's mad. Anger, grieved at the hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. That should excite you. When Jesus looks at the thing that steal your rest, that yank away your sleep, that make you anxious and worried, he doesn't just say, oh, well, he gets mad, baby. He wants to fight for you. He wants to fight for your rest, for your family, for your finances, for your health, for your relationship with him. That's what the ultimate thing is. That's what's most important. And when, when he sees your, your rest being threatened, he gets angry. He gets grieved. He does something about it. That should fire you up, that you have a God. Who wants to fight for you? That should fire you up. Jesus said something strange, though. He said, stretch out your hand. Jesus, Jesus, his hand don't don't work. That's kind of a sick joke. Hey, can you not walk? Walk over here. Hey, your hand doesn't work. And can can you stretch it out? Can you do some aerobics for me? It's kind of a sick thing to do. What's he doing? What's he, what's he doing? Let's look a little closer. We see that he wants to fight for us, fight for our rest, fight for our rejuvenation, fight for our sleep. I don't want you to miss this today. If you leave with one thing, it may be this. When it comes to rest, the enemy isn't the world. The enemy is actually the person staring at you in the mirror. I'm not trying to be harsh, but when it comes to rest, it starts right here. 
You got to look, why am I trying to prove myself so hard? Why am I trying to keep up with those other moms so much? Why am I trying to be the perfect parent? Why am I trying to check all the boxes? What, what, what within me, what am I standing on other than Christ? That's making me fearful that I'm doing everything to protect. Why are we striving? That's the question for today. So Jesus does something odd. He asks him to stretch out his hand and look what happens. It says he stretched it out and his hand was restored. In order for the healing to come about, he had to stretch. You see, this is fascinating because a lot of Jesus healed a lot of different ways. Sometimes he just spoke it. He just said a word. It was done. He did some odd things to heal people, but here it's odd. He could have just said, be healed. He didn't. He said, stretch out your hand. This man had to do something different. This man had to do something that he didn't think was possible. Turn to your neighbor, say normal ain't working. Normal ain't working. In order for you to learn to rest, you'll have to do something out of your comfort zone. You'll have to do something a little different. This Christmas is going to be like every single other Christmas unless we do something different. Unless we have a real interaction with Christ. Unless we change things up. It's going to be exactly the same. Burned out, stressed out, exhausted. No, when he says come to me, we must go to him. Maybe that means for you making church a priority. Saying we're going going every week. We're going every week in December. Maybe it's going to the tree out there, picking an item or three or 10 and saying, hey, we're going to help the homeless and 99 for the one this year. Maybe we want to do that. Maybe for you, it's joining a team or a group. Maybe for you, it's, I don't know, it could be anything. And maybe it's saying no to a few parties. Maybe it's putting a cap on some gifts, changing things up. Normal ain't working. Remember what he said, church. He said, he's the Lord of the Sabbath. He said, I'm the Lord of rest. Meaning if you follow me, if you, if I say, come here and you come to me and you walk with me and I'm the Lord of your life, then rest will follow. He is the Lord of rest, but he wasn't just that Jesus is the incarnate son of God. And he came to earth with a clear purpose. He taught us. He lived with us. He showed us a model for rest, but he didn't stop there. He didn't just come to live. He came to die at the end of his life. He climbed up on a cross. And scripture says that he died as a substitute for me and you. Meaning all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our past, he took it upon his shoulders and he bore it on the cross. He died as our substitute. And on the cross, he took everything we deserved. He took the curse that we deserved. Part of the curse, part of being separated from God, you know what that is? It's restlessness. Did you see him on the cross? That's what he was going through. He was thirsty. He was hot. He couldn't move. He yelled. That's the curse. He took that for me and took that for you. Jesus Christ on the cross took cosmic restlessness so that you and I can have rest. He took eternal, this eternal state of being squirming and anxious and worrying so you and I can have peace through him, through his sacrifice. And not only that, did you know what else he did on the cross? He had these nails driven through his hands. It's as if, oh my gosh, his hands were withered too. His hands became withered so that ours could be restored. His hands became pierced and unusable so that we can use our hands, a balance between work and rest. That's what he did. He died in our place. That man with the withered hand, when he heard about Jesus, when he heard what happened, I know it just broke him because he said, my God, the way Jesus healed my withered hand was by becoming withered himself. Something Jesus said on the cross, I don't want you to miss. When he was up there, he said, it is finished. He said it is finished, meaning the work is done. 
It's not Jesus does half, you do half. Jesus did it all. He paid it all. The gift is done. It's complete. You can quit striving. You can quit trying to prove yourself. You can quit fighting for acceptance. The creator of the universe, the only person whose opinion really matters, says you are my child. Says I love you. Says you are, an, you are incredible. Why are we still striving? Why can we not rest? We need to rest in him and him alone. Rest in his finished work on the cross. Because if you stay stuck in your lack of rest, your holy, th- this holy season, these holidays will always be withered. But once you realize he and he alone is the Lord of rest, he alone can give us peace. You can look at whatever the holidays throw at you this year and say, not today. I'm going to change it up. I will go to the Lord of rest. I will follow him. I will learn to say no. I will stand on him and him alone. And nothing can take that away from you. Nothing this holiday season. Church, let us be a people who learn to rest. In the midst of the crazy, in the midst of the chaos, maybe we be a people who we're okay if things aren't perfect. We're not doing the comparison thing anymore. We're going to learn to rest and rest in him. May we be a church that follows the Lord of rest. May we as a people make the season all about the Lord of rest. And I promise you, your life will never be the same. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you that you sent your son, the true Lord of rest into this world. Because God, we need that. We need him more than ever. There's so much he can teach us and show us. But God, I speak for all of us when I say we don't do well in the world of rest. We work hard. We're trying to earn our salvation. We're trying to prove our worth. We're trying to protect these things that, oh man, if they crumble, what does that mean about me? Father God, may you be the Lord of rest in our lives. May we turn to you. May we follow your example. May we know that your work on the cross was perfect. It was complete. Father God, may we not look at your work on the cross. May we not look at Jesus' sacrifice and say, it's partial. It's incomplete, but maybe if I strive hard enough, it'll be okay. No, 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 no. It was complete. God, help us take this gift, this present. Help us receive it and help us experience true rest. Father God, whatever that thing is in our lives that is preventing us from resting, that that insecurity, that inadequacy, that past, that fear, God, we lay it at your feet. We lay it at your feet. May you pick it up and may may you just bear it on that cross for us. Father God, we love you. And I ask you here and now, please, God, teach us to rest. And may we follow and worship and only worship the Lord of rest. In your son's good name we pray. Amen. We believe Jesus is on the move in Virginia Beach. And if you would like to learn more about who we are and our mission, follow us at Ascent Church 757. If you would like to give to further our mission to impact this city and beyond, you can do so at our website, ascentchurch.net. We hope to see you soon.